0: Welcome to Cinematic, the podcast where we analyse depictions of mental illness and disability in popular film and TV. Before we start, this podcast is not designed to be therapeutic, prescriptive or constitute a formal diagnosis for any listener. For a longer version of this disclaimer, please check the episode notes on your podcast app. Welcome back to the podcast, Michael Watson.
1: Hello, Steph Fornesia.
0: <laughs> What's been happening? Well, we're currently in lockdown 4.0.
1: Please, please pity us. <laughs> We're having a rough trot.
0: Having a rough trot.
1: We're having a seven-day lockdown.
0: This is his day. This is the man
1: from Wollert couldn't keep his, couldn't keep the COVID out of his lungs. No,
0: no, no, now Michael. It's not the man from Woolert's fault. It's the government's fault. Mm. <laughs> anyway, we won't get political on this podcast, except when necessary. <laughs> what have, What have you been watching at the moment?
1: Did I talk about Gangs of London?
0: Yeah, I think you did. Are you enjoying it though, still?
1: It's a little bit dumb and it hasn't been, the later episodes haven't been quite as exciting. There hasn't been as many like set piece, like fights that I was really enjoying. It's like a borderline martial arts show. Like
0: You're not selling it to me. It's not my kind of thing.
1: It's it's pretty good. What are you watching?
0: Well, I'm watching The Handmaid's Tale, which is probably the most dire TV show ever created in the history of TV shows.
1: Um, we haven't talked about it is it any good this latest season
0: i feel like it's going somewhere in terms of like eventually getting to a resolution but we have to go through a lot of shit together and i guess i'm a sucker for punishment because it just gets more and more um, unsettling and distressing i mean elizabeth moss is just amazing i watch her in anything so it's fine
1: would you watch her in a Scientology promotional video?
0: I probably would.
1: <laughs> so I could, good?
0: I could uh, call her later and say, why?
1: <laughs> Speaking of ritualised rape, is there any like bachelor or maths or anything on at the moment?
0: Um, there's actually nothing, but the new bachelor was announced. No, the uh-huh. bachelorette, sorry. Uh-huh. And she is a queer woman of colour get lost. She is a cutie pock.
1: Is that did you just make that up?
0: No, that's a legitimate oh, acronym. I like it. Um, she's Brooke and she was from a previous season of The Bachelor. It's actually I think even you might want to watch it.
1: Is, is is she going to have a different She's going to have boys to and girls. Oh yeah. my goodness.
0: Yeah. So, I'm really excited. Yeah. <laughs> it's maybe the best thing The Bachelor franchise has done for a while.
1: When are we going to get our Bachelor with a Disability channel nine. I think
0: that's a little bit further away in the future. Okay. Um, there are, on that note, though, Love on the Spectrum 2 has come out, and I haven't watched it yet, but I need to. Also because um, the Listenable podcast with Dylan Alcott and somebody else, his mate, um, are interviewing some of the uh, people on the show. So I have to watch it, and then I'll listen to that episode. Um, also, we, we watched one episode of Mayor of Easttown, which everyone's gagging over. It seemed
1: fine. <laughs> you know what I realised? There's so many stories about, like, these, like, really grizzled, like, you know, she's in that show, she's really tough and mean, She she's really mean to the lady whose daughter's missing, but then she's out putting up posters. And I think, like, there's so many characters like that, because we all want to see ourselves like that. But hardly anybody's like that. And it's just interesting because, you know, this character pops up a lot Mm. and obviously it resonates with people. And I was thinking, why does it resonate with people? And why does anything resonate with people? It's that they see themselves in it. Mm -hmm. And I say that people are seeing an idealised, probably unrealistic version of themselves in these characters.
0: But you don't see yourself in those characters?
1: No, I don't. I'm just a... I don't see you in them either.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What are we doing, Michael?
1: I'll give you a clue. Okay. I went and saw it with my mother.
0: (laughs) I'll give you another clue. It's in the title of the episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's The Father. It's
0: The Father. The Father. The Father. And it's directed by Florian Zeller. Who is a quite he a young would playwright?
1: Know as a playwright, a playwright, a famous playwright.
0: It's his first film that he made, starring Anthony Hopkins, Olivia Colman. Got a lot of Oscars.
1: Anthony Hopkins, the oldest uh, recipient of Best Actor,
0: at eighty three years old. Old. <laughs> um, and you know what? It's he it did a very good job. Oh, before we go into the plot, so it's a movie about a man's descent into dementia with what it seems like he has Alzheimer's disease.
1: I think, uh, I was trying to diagnose it and I think that people have just said it was Alzheimer's.
0: Yeah, but correct me if I'm wrong, dementia is like the symptom and Alzheimer's is the diagnosis.
1: Dementia is like an umbrella term which has lots of different types and Alzheimer's is the most
0: common type. Thank you, that's the clarification I'm looking for. Yeah. When I saw the trailer and I saw the movie, I was like, oh my God, this is a movie we need to focus on but not really having a huge amount of experience with it myself. Although my nonna went through dementia um, and it was hard for me to sort of figure, to know how bad it really was because she didn't speak English. But my only sort of experience was she was given a doll, like a baby doll, to uh, look after, which was apparently like a strategy for people experiencing dementia to give them something to focus on. A caregiving role Mm. but it was a doll and she used to complain that it would cry they wouldn't give her anything to feed it and she didn't know how to make it stop crying Mm. it was really a bit sad and Mm. it came to Christmas it sat at the table and I remember my parents going why did they do this? It's actually distressing her more than making her feel better. Yeah. Um, but I remember my mum saying she she's talking as if she's um, in the village that she grew up in. So that was kind of the only experience I really had of it. What about you?
1: It's it's one of those things that, like, people don't really know, ex- like, what it is, but mm. every, a lot of people have, like, yeah, you know, my one of my grandparents had dementia, but it just kind of seems like, I don't know, they just kind of lose who they are and then mm. eventually die. But you don't really... It's not like, you know, say you have a granddad who dies of cancer or something and it's very like, they got the cancer, this happened and then they died. Mm. Dementia is a bit different. Just, it's, uh, get... it's
0: less easy to explain and and understand what to expect from it. Yeah.
1: Mm. Um. Yeah, I don't have any personal um experience with dementia, but... I've done a few rotations through aged care. Mm -hmm. So I've seen mostly the later, pretty much like really advanced dementia. So it's pretty confronting.
0: Yeah. So should we go through the plot? Yes. So the plot to this movie is very hard to actually summarize. Um, And if you have seen The Father, you'll know what I mean. But if you haven't, go and see it first. I mean, most people who listen to this podcast... Make sure they've seen the movie or TV show first, because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. But really, it's an experience to behold.
1: The film kind of opens with Anne, played by Olivia Colman, coming home to her dad, Anthony Hopkins, also called Anthony. Anthony? Anthony?
0: They say Anthony.
1: Anthony. And he's, like, listening to his opera in his room in this flat, a very nice flat, mm. very
0: fancy flat. Every everything in the in the movie pretty much most 90 percent of the scenes are in the same house but the house changes
1: yeah so so
0: at first we are where to believe it's his flat and then midway through the film it's obviously olivia coleman's flat and then towards the end it becomes his hospital
1: yeah room and i guess the the crux of the film is that Anthony has quarreled with a a home nurse, like Mm -hmm. a home carer, and that person has left. And you you get the impression that he's getting increasingly short-fused, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so Anne is kind of preparing him for somebody else to move in Mm -hmm. to be carer. And you get the sense of confusion about... Yeah, whose flat it is, he still believes it's his flat, even though it's not. He's been moved into Anne's flat because Mm -hmm. he couldn't cope at home by himself. And there's also confusion about whether Anne is moving to France with a new partner or Mm. not.
0: In the same movie, there's a lot of interaction with her husband, who's played by two different actors.
1: Yeah, so the husband is living there. Mm. And I guess another sort of big arc is that the husband and Anne are having tension about how much of how much of her life is devoted to mm-hmm. looking after and worrying about Anthony. Um, like they have to cancel a trip to Italy. Italy because he the the previous carer leaves.
0: And then there's also an arc where the nurse that they hired to replace the one he drove away reminds him of... His younger daughter who died in an accident many years ago, um, which comes up quite a lot in the film.
1: And I guess the the climax of the film is Anthony kind of gets up out of bed and walks to the end of the hallway in the flat and opens a door. And then we're in a hospital and then he walks to a room in the hospital and finds who we assume is Lucy in bed there. And then he kind of wakes up in a bed in an aged care facility and the the big climax, the finale of the whole movie, he really breaks down and regresses and cries and asks for his mum and the nurse sort of holds him and that's pretty much the end of the movie. Yeah, It's pretty gut-wrenching it's stuff. It's pretty
0: heavy. That scene did me and I almost... I felt like I was having a panic attack mm. watching it. And it's really hard to describe because Florian intentionally made this movie confusingly, not for just the viewer, but for the people actually in the movie. (laughs) He wanted to make a film of somewhat so that we're on the inside looking out rather than from the outside looking in of that experience with dementia. So things don't make sense in the movie. Actors change, the plan changes time, sort of, there's like repeated scenes, essentially, from different perspectives. And like we're saying, the set is like the same set, but it's cha- it changes throughout the film. So the pictures are different and um, the colors are different and the furniture changes, but it's all filmed in the same perspective and set in the same sort of, like the blocking is the same that makes sense yeah 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 so you get confused as you're watching this movie like which apartment are we actually in right now and Mm. um so like i love how he did that um it makes it makes it for a very non-linear movie experience yeah um and even like he wanted to make anthony like originally the play the, the name of the main character is andre but he wanted, he actually made it in English because he wanted Anthony Hopkins to be in it. So he changed the name of the character to be Anthony so that Anthony Hopkins could identify even more with it. Right. Um, and for his own sort of creative process. Mm. Um, and apparently, like, people reading the script and even, like, towards the end of filming were, like, confused. Like, does she go to Paris? And he was kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. Mm. Um, and also, like, in multiple scenes, I kept trying to figure out if there were different time periods for which shirt Olivia Coleman is wearing. Like, she wears four different shirts, I think I counted. It's difficult to sort of figure out which day is, is which, but I thought maybe that was a clue. <laughs> mm. But it also doesn't make any linear sense as well. Yeah. So...
1: I think you could sit down with it and piece of all really the things together apart. like the way the cabinets change and stuff like that but i think that kind of misses the point i think it's sort of meant to be in a really ill-defined period of time mm. and um a- again to get caught up in in the disorientation that anthony himself is yeah experiencing so yeah it's really effective
0: but more the more i read about florian zeller's sort of interviews about how he created it He was kind of like, I want it to be a puzzle that actually doesn't have a solution. Like, it doesn't actually make sense. Um, There's, like, pieces missing. Mm. So even if you were to sit down and do it, like, you you wouldn't come to anything. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm. (laughs) Can you tell that we liked it? Should we talk about lived experience? I mean, it sounds like Florian knew what he was doing.
1: What I read was that he... His grandmother, who he was apparently raised by, mm. had Alzheimer's. Yeah. So I guess he's had that outside looking in experience.
0: Yeah. Can I read this quote?
1: Mm, go ahead.
0: I'll try and summarize it. So he wrote La père" eight years ago, French for the father.
1: Le Père.
0: Le Père. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Le père. <laughs> so when he was 15 years old his grandmother began to struggle with dementia and he says as I was on that difficult journey I realized that sometimes when you love someone love alone is not always enough the father is about sharing the emotions around the experience of dementia knowing that eventually we will all face a dilemma in our lives that asks what do I do next and he sort of mentioned that he was really surprised that Wherever the play was performed, there were so many people in the audience that were like really moved by the play and people would wait for him after the performance to tell their own stories about being affected by dementia and he found that it was really a cathartic experience for a lot of people. So when he created the movie, he wanted the cinema experience to be even more immersive so that the audience felt like they were in the mind of the character. Yeah, so he... I feel like he really transferred his own experience of someone who was like a parent to him going through it in a way that really for for a lot of people channeled how it felt for them. So, I mean, he he couldn't get more lived experience apart from him having Alzheimer's himself, really.
1: Yeah. And I read an article that kind of intimated that Anthony Hopkins might have it or something. But it seemed like it was, I think that they might have just been saying anthony hopkins is old
0: <laughs> so
1: i'm i'm not sure about that did, did you find anything more
0: i did read that anthony and olivia weren't to do any research into anything to inform their performance it was really like natural any
1: um, research into what um, people, the how play
0: people... or into um alzheimer's or dementia or how okay. people would play it he said that he He wanted Anthony to explore a different side of himself, connecting to his own anxieties and feelings about mortality, which was so meaningful, and use his own memories and fears to explore emotions. So maybe that's why he did such a good performance. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, he's a really good actor. But there is this quote from Anthony Hopkins in Sydney Morning Herald where he says that when he saw himself on screen in The Father... Playing an elderly man stumbling through the fog of dementia, he suddenly felt he was watching his own father. Uh, Richard Hopkins, a baker in the Welsh industrial seaport city of Newport, dwindled gradually with heart disease. And the quote is, he became very depressed and belligerent, Hopkins remembers, and argumentative. I'd say something and he'd say, what do you mean by that? And there was a kind of listlessness. And the hurt, the pain he could cause my own mother. And he said, <laughs> I looked at the father and recognized it with great fondness. I thought, that's my old man. So oh,
1: it's nice that he can wrench something positive. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty shit experience. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, not, uh, well, maybe some dementia symptoms.
1: Possibly. Yeah. Or just depression is quite difficult to um, yeah. uh, separate from dementia. Yeah. may some overlap. Yeah. Yeah. They, they present quite similarly.
0: I think we could say he has a bit of lived experience of what it's like to see that.
1: Yeah, someone deteriorating and changing.
0: But no, I didn't see anything else about him potentially having dementia.
1: Mm, no, I think it might have been a bit of it. A... I mean, he 30.
0: won an Oscar at 83. Like, that's pretty <laughs> indicative of a, a mind that's enduring. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like that he, he is the age that someone with dementia more commonly would be. Yeah.
1: Uh, and does Olivia Coleman have any lived experience?
0: Uh, Well, I did read that Um, she said, my lovely mum was a nurse specialising in geriatric care. I can just imagine Olivia Coleman saying, my lovely mum, can't you? (laughs) I (laughs) can imagine. When when I was reading her interviews, I was like, I can just imagine her saying that. (laughs) And so she watched her with her patients quite a lot as a child and she saw her mum looking after granny. So, yeah, she's had a little bit of that lived experience. But I feel like anyone in the role would have some sort of connection or know someone who has had to look had to go through a loved one going through dementia like it is actually really common isn't it
1: mm, yeah but yeah you're right it's difficult because there's probably not many people with dementia who are
0: making movies or tv shows. no no it, it would be more being the care of someone with dementia yeah. rather than having it yourself Before we talk about accuracy, what, pray tell, is dementia as the umbrella term? And what specifically is Alzheimer's disease? And what is the difference?
1: Why, Steph, I'm glad you asked. Please (laughs) tell. So I dug up my notes from a few years back. Oh. Basically, in medical talk, dementia is an irreversible impairment in memory, uh, functioning, meaning like social, occupational, or executive functioning, um, speech, motor skills, personality, behaviour, um, and just psychological functioning. That takes place over about eight to ten years.
0: Okay, so it's, it takes quite a long time.
1: It does, yeah. So I think the median time between diagnosis and death is about five
0: years. Oh, wow. So is it actually a life-threatening disease in itself?
1: It's basically, by definition, terminal. I guess the key word is irreversible, um, because there are reversible causes of these symptoms, like some infections or, you know, brain tumours or medications, whatever.
0: So what then is Alzheimer's disease?
1: So Alzheimer's is the most common type of dementia. Okay. And like, there's all these, there's all these different types of dementia. Mm-hmm. So there's Alzheimer's, there's vascular, there's frontotemporal, there's Lewy body, mm-hmm. Parkinson's. So what,
0: um, what would you say Anthony has?
1: Well, what, what I was going to say is that the, the types are usually based on post-mortem findings. Oh. You can diagnose different types of dementia just by seeing the patient sort of thing. But you need to actually, like, like look at the person's brain under the microscope and see what is actually going on in the tissue mm-hmm. to diagnose it.
0: So it's all sort of where it is in the brain?
1: Yeah, location in the brain and the type of microscopic findings Mm -hmm. like you get um clumps of protein for forming in the wrong places sort Mm -hmm. of thing and and they think that's the cause of uh, definitely like alzheimer's and lewy body dementia Mm -hmm. yeah so there's different types and it's difficult to disentangle them and you can get mixed diagnoses sort of thing so like vascular dementia is My understanding of it is that you've got lots of cardiovascular risk factors. So like high blood pressure and Mm -hmm. cholesterol and you smoke and whatever. And you've had little mini strokes before. Poor circulation in your brain Mm -hmm. just sort of slowly reduces your functioning.
0: I feel like maybe that's what Nonny had because she had lots of mini strokes
1: yeah, well, they, the classic thing that they say with vascular dementia is that it's a stepwise decline as okay. opposed to just a linear decline. Mm-hmm. So you'd have sudden drops in functioning. Yeah. Um, but then I've also been told that that's not really true in practice. It's just like a textbook thing that they say. Okay. So <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> medicine.
0: That's medicine.
1: But, yeah, so my understanding is that Anthony's diagnosis is alzheimer's Mm -hmm. does someone say that in the movie
0: i don't think anyone says anything in the movie diagnostically
1: because all the articles that i read said alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and i mean it's a safe bet because it's the most common type yeah like i was thinking it was maybe frontotemporal but because he's so socially inappropriate Mm. and disinhibited in some situations like Mm. The scene I guess the worst scene for that is when they're interviewing the new um carer. Yeah. And um he's really, really charming and he offers her like alcohol to drink and he so touches. So. Yeah. And then he turns just on a dime really yeah. and and is really quite rude. cruel yeah. to her.
0: And, um, and quite cruel to Um Anne. As yeah,
1: well. yeah. So yeah, I I wondered um, if it was frontotemporal. And the other thing that I thought, the, the in Louie body dementia, mm. one of the classic things that they talk about is that they have really vivid visual hallucinations that often involve children oh. that they're often not distressed by. Oh. And I did think of that while I was watching it when he's looking out the window and there's a kid playing on the street. Oh, um, oh,
0: so you interpret that as a hallucination? Well,
1: it's just it's just where mm. my mind went.
0: But then he also saw his daughter during her accident in the hospital. Yeah. And he didn't lose it.
1: No. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I can see why. But yeah, apparently patients will just be you like staring out the window, and you'll be like, "What are you looking at?" And you're like, oh, "They're like, I was. I'm just watching the kids playing outside." And there will not any no kids. kids.
0: Mm-hmm. But so why else would it be Alzheimer's then? Why Alzheimer's for him?
1: Well, it's memory loss. But my notes say that long-term memory is intact in Alzheimer's, but his long-term memory doesn't seem to be intact.
0: Mm, Um, But maybe he started getting Alzheimer's when his daughter died.
1: True, yeah. And, um, yeah, repetitive questions and forgetting appointments and paying bills and losing things... There's an mm. ongoing saga with him losing his watch, which he has a safe place for that he always mm. puts it in and he forgets that he's put it there. He forgets where the safe place is. And,
0: and he doesn't have any insight into it?
1: Yeah, no. I, I wasn't sure about his insight because he knows that something's wrong, mm. but he's he's acting like he's just not aware that he has dementia. Mm. So he thinks that something fucked up and scary is happening like my daughter suddenly has been replaced with another person. Yeah. He doesn't have that insight to be like, Oh, this is just my brain. Dementia. Yeah. Yeah. But there's some other symptoms that like he demonstrates like confabulation. What's that? (laughs) Which is when patients have like a lapse in their memory, they're they're not doing it deliberately, but instead of just being like, Oh, I don't remember that. They just make something up Mm. to fill the gap okay, And yeah. it can range from something totally sensible and believable to something totally crazy. Mm. Um, and that whole tap dancing thing...
0: Yes. ...I think
1: was confabulation, because mm. he couldn't remember that he was an engineer. Yeah. He's got to say something. Um, Interesting. And then, like, how he couldn't get dressed, like, that sort of apraxia, which is sort mm. of a cognitive impairment
0: mm-hmm. that
1: you often see. And... Prosopagnosia? Prosopagnosia?
0: prosopagnosia, I don't know how to say that one. does that?
1: Not recognizing people. Ah, uh, yeah. Which, we've as we've said, the, yeah. the actors change. And then I, I guess the last thing that I'd mention, which we actually mentioned way back in Joker mm. pseudo bulbar palsy. Oh! Emotional incontinence, which is sort of an advanced symptom uh, yeah. of dementia and i think that's what was going on in the last scene where he's, he's crying. crying yeah and sort of regressing it's just in sort of an inability to kind of mask that
0: impulse yeah to mm. cry
1: and emote
0: yeah i i didn't think of it that way i just thought he was really just so confused and upset and like regressing back to being a child and wanting his mum, and in that moment and being like, but I want my mummy, and she's not there. And just being that confused little child, not knowing what's happening, which would be so distressing and overwhelming. Mm. So like Mm. (laughs) it made sense to me. My query, like you mentioned that personality can be one of the things. I wondered whether some of the, like the cruelty um, that we see in Antony, uh like he says some really awful things to Anne like she's not very smart she gets that from her mother and you you always worry too much and her little sister that I, that was my favorite and stuff was that is that the dementia or is that his personality because we only know the experience of Anthony while he's, he's experiencing these things and we don't know what he was like beforehand and like even he's almost manipulative well it seems manipulative in a way like he'll refuse her help and then when she's like well I'm gonna go to Paris he's like you're abandoning me and you know when he goes into that tap dancing charming state and then goes back into being cruel he says I'm gonna outlive both of you like it's almost quite like delusions of grandeur like I wondered if that was he, like, maybe he was an narcissistic prick <laughs> as, a, as a neurotypical. What are your thoughts?
1: I, I, I mean, like you say, we don't, we don't get to see him while he's not having dementia, so we don't mm. know. Personality changes are a big part of dementia. Um, and I have heard before that quite commonly someone who's quite shy and reserved throughout all of their life can come down with some sort of dementia. I would say probably frontotemporal would be more common for this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they turn into a massive prick mm-hmm. and it's it's they refer to it as it's sort of unmasking like their real personality mm-hmm. without any filter. Mm-hmm. Because like, I don't know, lots of people are probably pretty nasty on the inside but then they but they act nice on the outside
0: and i think that um non-filter thing happens with him like when she says i've met someone he goes you (laughs) like yeah
1: (laughs) i i my gut feeling is that the the meanness and the cruelty that he sort of demonstrates in the movie i i think that's I, i would attribute that to the dementia the the fact that Anne is still around and caring for him so attentively mm. and the whole little daddy thing
0: yes that
1: that tells me that they probably had a good relationship yeah so that he he probably wasn't like that beforehand
0: and to clarify that when he's talking about Lucy who is the youngest sister who who had had died he says oh she used to call me little daddy isn't that sweet little daddy And Olivia's quite upset when he's saying this, I think. Oh, no, she might not be in the room at that point. And then later on when he's quite upset, Anne is comforting him. She's calling him little daddy. So I I did interpret that as he loved Anne just as deeply as her sister. Mm. And he was actually talking about some of the things that Anne was doing. Mm. But because of the dementia, (laughs) it's not coming out. And maybe he's mixing up his memories. Yeah,
1: yeah, Mm. yeah, that's definitely possible.
0: Which would be so traumatising as the daughter to go through. Oh, totally, yeah.
1: It's a horrific thing to have to go through Mm. through, through those sorts of times, yeah. Most people who are carers find it a really rewarding experience. I think that comes from, like, the qualitative research, but that's not to say that it's not massively, massively hard and that it's you know, a risk factor for depression and mm. elder abuse. And it's an extremely tough job to yeah. end
0: up in. Um, just some other little things that I noticed that I, from my very limited experience, I thought was very accurate. The way in the kitchen scene when he's putting things away um, from the bags, um, he's sort of mindlessly doing it and sort of, he lo- looks like he's going off to do something and then he kind of stops in his tracks and then he sort of looks at the plastic bag in his hand like, what, what's this doing in my hand? And then sort of balls it and puts it in his pocket. Like just little things like that. Like where you can just sort of see he had a plan then he doesn't remember what's going on right now. Yeah. Um, and like when he's like walking through his apartment and he's just got a fork in his hand for no particular reason. Yeah. And then later on when she's going through his hiding place, there's a fork in there. Yeah. Like just little details like that.
1: Well, that, that's that's really common. That's that loss of executive functioning. And yeah. You hear about people putting the kettle in the fridge and yeah. those sorts of things are really common.
0: Mm. Um, and even the way in the last scene, he's holding like a tissue in one hand and the postcard in the other as he's sort of talking. And it just reminded me of like even when she was pretty lucid, my nonny, she'd always have a tissue in her hand <laughs> when she was just pottering around and... I don't know, it just really reminded me of her. Um, and I also thought I haven't looked in thought about it too deeply, but the aria that he listens to through the headphones, like it pops up a lot in the movie and at one point it's the whole music um when Olivia Coleman is on the phone to the doctor. And I just thought, even in those little details, like it's like it's like deja vu, it's like the same like a like a earworm in your head almost. Yes, oh, It's just so well done. I think that that regression as well was interesting how you mentioned, because there's that scene with the new nurse, the new carer, where he keeps complaining that she's talking down to him. He says the R word, Mm. Um, like, are you a nun? Then why are you talking to me like I'm Mm. the R word? Um, And he says, I'm very smart. I have a memory like an elephant. And then when he's taking, his, like, in the same sentence, when he's taking his pills, he's acting like a child. Like, oh, down like down it goes. Oh, and it's gone. And she's like, bravo. So, like, that switch from I'm an adult to I'm going to act like a child was, like, so quick. Mm. Is that quite accurate? Like, how quick that can
1: um, go? I- I'm, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I've never seen it, but I believed it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I guess because short-term memory is poor and, and like bizarre behaviour and that sort of thing can be part of it. So mm. he doesn't really remember perhaps that he was, you know, trying to be an adult a big boy a second ago. <laughs>
0: I also think it's a good, for me, a good display of how it would make sense for things to get murky when, you know... If, if you were going through what he's going through you would be pretty paranoid if people you see don't look like the people that you remember them to look like and you think you're in your house but then you're told no this isn't your house you would think that there's a conspiracy or something funny going on against you or there's some sort of plot to take over and, and take your house off you and a few people when they've seen this film that will are thinking like, Oh, maybe that like in the beginning they were thinking, Oh, maybe this is like an elaborate plot to confuse him so that they can get his inheritance or something or take stuff off him. And I mean, we don't, we only know from the viewer what he's experiencing. So who knows? Um, it'd be so unsettling and you can't like, you can't trust your own mind. So you don't know what's going on and it would be so easy like you say, to abuse that for someone and just lie to them. Mm. Yeah, they're in such a vulnerable position and you. I felt vulnerable in the movie. Like you don't know what's happening next and who's going to walk in the door and um, yeah, it's like you can't catch something solid at any point in time. Mm. So any everything could be a lie. So um, you mentioned like elder abuse and there's the scene where I think it's Rufus... No, it's not Rufus Sewell, it's the other guy, Mark Gattis, as her husband, who starts slapping him. Yeah. And then, you know, he's quite quite abusive towards him. And then later on, when he's in the hospital, the orderly comes in and it's played by the same actor. Yeah. And he looks quite concerningly at him. And he could go, you know, both ways. It would be very easy to get away with elder abuse because they might, you know, they may not be able to adequately report What's happened and not likely to be trusted. Mm. Um, but also, confusing who did what to you means it could be reported <laughs> and be in- inaccurate at the same time. Yeah. So it's. Yeah, crazy.
1: it's. I mean, you're right. They're so, crazy. so vulnerable. Mm. And I, th- I think if you were someone who wanted to abuse somebody, <laughs> like.
0: Hopefully, you- no one listening. No,
1: but. <laughs> Like, you can totally see why people think they can get away with it. Yeah. Like, I think that that's what you're saying, that, like... Yeah. It's sort of like, well, who's going to believe them? Yeah. They might not remember it. If they report it, it might... They might say... They might pin it on somebody else. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And I think that um, you need a good medical person in your life. Mm-hmm who can pick up the signs, like yeah. bruising and changes in personality and, you know, those sorts of things that, Looking that might... Looking quite
0: anxious when Fearful. someone walks yeah. in the room. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: To, to know that that's, that might be going on.
0: Because I remember when you watched the movie, you were like, oh, the orderly's been abusing him. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, it was her husband that was abusing him.
1: Yeah. Maybe well, it was both. I... Which I, is the I th- point, I, th- I th- guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, it's it's meant to be confusing, I guess. Again, on numbers, I would say that it's probably more likely to have been her husband because I imagine it's more commonly a family member, yeah, who perpetrates it. But I just thought, even though his dementia had obviously progressed, I got the vibe from the scene at the very end in the facility. That things were probably as they were, like th- he was seeing people accurately. Yeah. So.
0: Because if we're thinking about the movie as happening in the here and now, then the people in his life are sort of confused by his memories, almost like.
1: I, I just got the I got the idea in my head that he was taking the staff from the facility and putting them into his memory. Yes, yeah, that's what
0: I mean. Yeah, mm.
1: not the other way around. Mm. So that made me think that probably
0: the orderly, the orderly,
1: was the one who had abused him, and that mm. that experience had popped up in his memory of his time in the flat. Mm. But I'm looking I at the
0: movie in a very linear way. Yeah, it's too. not
1: um, you know, it's not Inception. Um,
0: <laughs> and it, you know, the movie is an experience of itself. It's not actually a beginning, middle, and end, mm. or a problem to be solved. So. Yeah. What do you think, we sort of touched on this a bit, but um, the accuracy of the portrayal of Anne as the, the daughter and the, the carer, I feel like she was an exceptionally patient, very supportive carer. Even like when he w- wakes up that morning and after the horrible night she had, being like, Dad, are you awake? Like still quite chipper when yeah. she walks in, w- when he walks in. What do you think?
1: Yeah, she's pretty amazing. Um, I mean, I guess everybody's experience is different, mm-hmm. and um, obviously that character did an amazing job. I reckon, even though like it was obviously extremely difficult. And there's that scene where she goes into his bedroom at night and mm. she smothers him with the pillow, which you assume is just her imagination, perhaps.
0: She's actually strangling him. Strangling, but, yeah.
1: Him. But I think it would be like totally natural and normal to feel that way Mm. um because he's essentially like now her whole life really Mm. you you don't get the sense that she has much time to think about anything
0: else Um, i'm guessing that the reasoning for putting it in there is because it's it's demonstrating how hard it is and how it would be very tempting to want to do that but it's also just a bit of like a stereotype which we'll get to um but i do think like you can see she's, she's literally, like you said, she's changed her life for him. Yeah. She's trying to do everything that she can for him. But he's, he really doesn't have any appreciation for it because she's at the mercy of his illness. And his illness is making her be put through the ringer essentially, at yeah. every moment. But there is that nice moment where he says, Anne, thank you for everything. Like, it's that kind of a moment of clarity where he realizes how much she's done for him. Mm. I have a quote as well from Florian where he says, This film is called The Father, but it's also about the father's daughter. Sometimes we feel as if we're the only ones to go through a painful situation and it feels as if the world is becoming smaller and smaller. Throughout the film, we're always in Anthony's apartment and the one time that his daughter, Anne, leaves that space, she gets a phone call and has to go back inside. As a caregiver and as a daughter, she returns to those four walls as if the rest of the world doesn't exist anymore. We know that caregivers can feel so alone. By sharing our hopes, fears, and desperate moments, it may not change our situation, but by being open, we remind others that they are not alone. Our humanity is what keeps us all connected, and it's through that humanity that we find help.
1: Florian sounds like a great guy. This is
0: really awesome. I really like it.
1: I wanted to talk about... Imogen Poots. Mm. And like, I didn't understand what her actual role was. Um,
0: Like, as.
1: So, I guess, like, in our um, vocabulary, we'd call her like a disability support worker Mm. or an aged care support worker. Just, I just found. I just didn't believe her, like, accepting alcohol from him. Yeah. Like, oh,
0: well. I mean, it's the UK. I don't know. Uh, okay. Yeah,
1: and like the just the way she was with him, I just didn't be- I just couldn't believe somebody in her role acting that way. She was just really, really casual with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just made me wonder, like, who who she was and what her training was.
0: She just wasn't very professional. We don't know anything about her background. Yeah. And I guess that's the point, because we're only seeing it from Anthony's eyes. Mm. Um, and, like, I think she's supposed to be pretty much played by the same actor who plays his daughter okay. who dies. Because, like, in the credits, Imogen Poots plays Lucy on the hospital um, um, bed. pick up on that. Yeah. yeah. And it's her voice calling his name. Oh, okay. So may- maybe in his head she is that casual because she's just like Lucy Okay. All right, yeah. That's that. just my thoughts. Yeah. Um I don't think she was that bad though. Can you
1: imagine if you were Anne and you invite this person into your house? She seems a bit care, young, but
0: like I look young.
1: And she accepts alcohol from your dad.
0: But you know, if you're trying to build a rapport with somebody Yeah,
1: but they a lot li- that that's crossing a line. That's undoubtedly crossing a line.
0: But she's not there on the job. She's there to just Meet him.
1: I guess, but... Mm, I feel like she... Then it kind of sets a she... precedent, like, when she arrives to work, he's like, you want a n- little nip?
0: No, but, but but her role of being there was to get to know him and for him to like her. That was essentially for him to like her. So if she was to say, no, I'm not having any of your whiskey, um, that could really put them both on the... Knowing how he is, he has his ways.
1: You shouldn't compromise on your boundaries. Well, it's, just to get in the in his But good I braces. think what
0: I think what this film is portraying it's not that simple. Mm. You know, you no, you don't want to compromise major ba- boundaries, professional boundaries, but sometimes you have to go that little bit beyond. I mean, drinking a bit of whiskey isn't probably a good good example of it, but working in a population just like the nurse giving her A hug like you were saying Mm. sometimes you have to do things you probably don't feel 100% comfortable usually doing to um support people going through really um debilitating stuff I've done it I haven't drunk alcohol with a client but you know you do just little things that people probably wouldn't recommend like um shouting them a coffee or something like that
1: if she shouted him a coffee that's fine
0: Where's the line, then?
1: Drinking alcohol.
0: Okay. That's your line. Everyone has their own line. As long as it's nothing that you're going to get arrested for, I think it's fine. Fair enough. I'm interested in your thoughts about the nurse at the end of the movie mm. in the hospital, mm. how accurate that portrayal is, because I feel like she starts off really annoyed with him and then she ends quite quite kind to him.
1: Yeah, I agree. In my experience, I think it would probably stay, I don't, for us, I think. Oh, I think controversial, can you come
0: Come on, out with it. Your mum's listening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just think that his, like, breakdown for the average aged care nurse is probably not all that out of the ordinary mm. for their day. Mm-hmm. And she probably just came from a room where there's, like, a good chance that somebody was going through that yep. sort of thing. So it's really nice that she took the time to give him a hug and that sort of thing. Yeah. I think it...
0: There wouldn't be enough time.
1: Yeah, there's there's like Energy insane resources. amounts of pressure on aged care nurses. Mm. They have crazy patient-to-nurse ratios in aged care facilities. Like, I just don't think that that, that moment with Anthony would be that out of the ordinary for that nurse enough that she gets so invested the way she does. Mm. That was my thinking.
0: Yeah. I do wonder though, like she's in there to get him dressed and if he's having a meltdown, she kind of needs to calm him down so he'll get dressed, which is what she was kind of doing. Yeah. Um. I mean, what would be the alternative to doing that? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's not think about it.
1: Yeah, I just don't think she would have had time to do that.
0: (laughs) What about the way, like, I feel like he was kind of regressing and wanting his mummy, and when she holds him and sits him down and talks him through, that, we're going to get dressed, she ends up saying, come on, baby. Um, Like, she gets down, she gets into that sort of reality, Mm. like, as if she's his mum and he's her son. Yeah. Do you think that's what nurses would do?
1: I mean, it's not something I've seen. I saw a nurse on an on, on a dementia ward who would always like hug and kiss her patients good night,
0: mm. <laughs> <it>? that's weird. <laughs> <It's super> weird.
1: <laughs> I mean, like
0: wait, a lip kiss? Not a lip kiss. <laughs> a kiss on the cheek. A kiss on the cheek. Oh. well, you couldn't get away with that in COVID times. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's nice, but it's also like a bit of a boundary crossed. In. Yeah, but
0: it's but a different. I, I think future, students, isn't
1: it? like I, I obviously I'm a student, and I think we're really like no, you don't, you don't do anything like that. Like you're a doctor or a nurse or whatever, you're like you're a professional. You're, you're just in a box. This role, like you're just a, an automaton, <laughs> um, so you can't do any of that stuff. But I think in practice. those boundaries get a little bit more blurred. Mm. And, you know, I think a nurse in that situation who's got plenty of time on their hands would make a judgment call and be like, you know what, I'll give Anthony a cuddle. Yeah. And he wants his mummy, I'll call him baby. It's soothing. And
0: And I feel uh, like he would have eventually gotten dressed because I feel like what she had to do to get him through it is ground him and bring him back to the moment and the little... little steps of the day to get him out of that distress that he was feeling, which is very common sort of anxiety management strategy. So I feel like that's what she was trying to do. And I thought it probably takes a bit of skill and training to be able to do that.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, the whole point of the film is that we empathize with a person that we don't normally empathize with.
0: Yeah. hundred percent.
1: Um, so and like if the nurse was cruel to him at the end it would have kind of felt like more of the same from the whole movie like mm. we needed we needed that to make it more to hit home harder yeah. like and to see that tenderness with him
0: because even But to just...
1: to make it about just doing that so he'll get dressed.
0: Oh no, I'm not reducing it to that but like
1: but that is that's what I think. An aged care nurse would probably be thinking, yeah, like I've got twenty other people to get dressed, yeah, so let's come on, yeah. And I'm not gonna be sitting down hugging and babes calling every fourth or fifth one baby, and, and all. Mm. So maybe that's not all that accurate, but I think from a film point of view, it was how it was what we needed.
0: I think I yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and I think you're right. I feel like, you know, Florian wanted to end it that way, not just so <laughs> we're not all traumatised, yeah. but also... It was traumatising in its own it, way. Yeah, it was traumatising <laughs> anyway. Um, but also so he can sort of show the world, because the world saw this movie, well, we hope, because not a lot of the world didn't have much else to do, um, how we should treat people with dementia yeah. and that we need to be compassionate and empathetic. And also because... It doesn't discriminate. He's he's a rich, <laughs> well-off man who's had a, a good life and any one of us could be him. Very easily might be him. So it's it's almost like a bit of a... You, know, you experience, you have empathy for him even though he's a, a bit of a shit at times because you're seeing it through his eyes and that's how you would want to be treated if you were him. Yeah. Hmm. I would just say that um, Alzheimer's and Dementia Associations really like the movie.
1: Oh, yeah, I saw that they said it's one of only, like, two movies that some Alzheimer's Association of America, like, endorses. Wow. Because of none of the others are, like, they're all outside looking in.
0: Yeah. The Alzheimer's Therapeutic Research Institute. Uh, Medical director said he thought it did a great job in portraying the chaos that someone can feel as they're going through the dementia stages, particularly the moderate stages of Alzheimer's disease, where they have some insight which causes them to feel uncomfortable and want to cover it up. Yeah. Which I think was definitely the case with him. Like you could tell he's, you could see in moments he's like really confused as to what's happening, but just doesn't doesn't want to acknowledge and admit to it yeah he kind
1: of when he's really confused he just plays along (music) next stop
0: stereotypes you know i really struggle to write anything in this (laughs) section
1: very it's refreshing
0: i feel like the movie introduces what we think are those classic stereotype tropes and then sort of turns it around like, when it, the movie starts and Olivia Common sort of bursts in, being like, oh, what's he done? And he's, like, quite rude to her, but also quirky. It's like, oh, he's the cranky old man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but then as you sort of move through, it's not quite clear that he's a cranky old man because he's clearly going through so much confusion and dementia. And then when we meet the nurse in the hospital... As we were just saying, she seems quite cold, but then she isn't really. She's quite a kind nurse.
1: Yeah, you're right. I, I it, it plays with some of those dynamics a little bit.
0: And I feel like in those movies where there's an aging person that needs looking after, it's like a common stereotype that those things are happening, but it's, it's not just quite... It's more nuanced than that. Yeah. Mm.
1: I would say the stereotype of the... The long-suffering daughter carer mm. is there <laughs> <laughs> exists, um, but I think it's also kind of a true stereotype.
0: Uh, yeah, like it's not really a stereotype if it's just common. I know. I feel like we're grasping at straws here, though, because that's also this... just is what it is. It's not like they play it up, play stuff up that much. Yeah. It's not always drawn upon. Yeah. Um, I do think it's a bit of a position of privilege how Antony um, accuses the, the previous carer of stealing from him like I feel like that's that's probably just the character and the fact of he's going through dementia because she clearly wasn't but like, you know, I'm higher than you and she's lower than me so she, of course she's going to steal my watch.
1: But that's also just like a really, it's sort of like that confabulation where yeah. like, I can't find my watch. So she, clearly this is happened. I need to invent happened. something to explain it. And, you know, he, who else, like he trusts Anne mm. to, to, to some extent.
0: But not her husband. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, it's just like a really, I mean, that's almost a stereotype, like person with dementia accusing people of stealing.
0: Yeah. But also um, it's quite common, right? It's common. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: basically, you know, it's a symptom
0: the scene where she chokes him, I feel like it's a bit stereotypical because it's something that comes up in a lot of movies where someone is dying or they have alien health and it's taking lots of care away from everybody else. I feel like that's come up a lot. And I can't think of many examples. (laughs) But I just don't know if it was really necessary in this film.
1: Yeah, it kind of broke the tone a little bit and it made you wonder whose perspective we were seeing it from. Yeah. The whole point of the movie is that we were seeing it from Anthony's perspective the whole way through, so it was a bit weird to see something that was Implied. Anne's imagination. Implied yeah. Anne's imagination. Yeah, so it, it, it is a little bit of a... It probably wasn't necessary, but I, I imagine the point of it was to demonstrate just how difficult it was for Anne to go through.
0: But I think we we got that anyway from it.
1: I think so too, yeah. Like, but 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 it pushes it to the point where she's like thinking about transgressing basic yeah. human morals.
0: Yeah. Or, or mm. you know, depending on how you, you see it, maybe not. But um, I just think, you know, it might have been in his head like what he would expect her to do or imagine her to do. I don't know. But for someone who does care for people with dementia or has had lots of people in their lives die from dementia, and seeing that film could be a bit triggering. And, you know, even if they were in the stages of dementia, maybe wouldn't enjoy watching that scene. Probably not. Probably not, hey. I mean, no one enjoys watching that scene.
1: If I was still feeling... If I was, like, caring for somebody with dementia and I was still feeling really raw about it, I wouldn't watch this movie. No, you probably wouldn't. And if I did watch the movie... And I was triggered by it. I would only have myself to blame.
0: I honestly only found out what it was about from the trailer. And there's lots of movies I've seen without watching the trailer. So it might not be only yourself to blame. Okay, like the scene where she, the, the mug breaks. And she, like...
1: And drops the mug and, and it breaks.
0: And drops the mug and it breaks. Yeah. And it's like a symbol. It's a metaphor. It's a bit on the nose. It's a bit on the nose. <laughs> There's a lot of symbolism in this movie like that. It's that's like, a bit tacky. And, you know, the big face sculpture that's part of the hospital or whatever that Anne walks past that's, like, just a bit of face. Hmm. It's, like, uh, massive. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah. trying to say, like, a person's personality taken from them. I don't know. Also, losing his watch. Losing time. Yeah. Bit on... The old schnoz.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's
0: all believable. It's just a little bit overhanded, I think. I okay, think it's good. I'm, oh, look, I am grasping at straws here. <laughs> What's next? Helpful or harmful? I think this movie is very helpful. But what in particular is helpful about this movie? Michael?
1: I think that people with dementia are kind of an invisible population yeah. Um, despite it being, you know, a leading cause of death.
0: It's very common.
1: Yeah. And I think it's like ultra, ultra valuable, totally in the spirit of psychocinematic. Obviously, Florian's <gasps> a Makes <laughs> um, To be making movies that um, help us to empathize with, with these sorts of vulnerable populations.
0: Yeah, and it's in a way that no one's really ever done before. Mm. Um, We're with him through the movie. We're not watching him from the outside judging. We're him. So we're so much more empathetic to it. And, you know, it's happening for us. It's happening for the audience in the same way it's happening for Anthony. Like when he meets someone he's never met before, we haven't met them before either. So, you know, we don't know whether she's going to Paris or not or whether she's got a husband or not. It's just so visceral. Yeah. I'll also like, I was reading this in an article, it's usually a woman in movies that experiences the dementia. Huh? Um, like, Still Alice, as we mentioned, The Notebook, mm-hmm. Iris, Away From Her, and there's a bunch more. So it's like one of the rare movies where it's a man experiencing it. Oh, weird. What's that about? What is the prevalence?
1: So I believe more women than men. The statistic that I read was that the ratio is two women to one men have dementia. Um,
0: So it's quite more common than women. Yes.
1: Possibly because women live longer than men.
0: Oh, okay. But I guess it's still good for women in cinema purposes that... It's not the tragic thing happening to a woman all the time. <laughs> yes, yeah, a totally. man's, man's turn now.
1: Something that I think was helpful mm. was that it is I think pretty clear at the end that Anne has gone to Paris. Yeah. Um, and there's it didn't feel to me that there was any judgment of that.
0: Mm, yeah. No one was like she's abandoned you. Yeah. Yeah
1: and And I think like part of this the story of the of her as carer and stuff is like her journey from trying to help and then reaching a certain point where it's like, this is too much for me now, so like he can live with us, I'll mm-hmm. hire somebody, like we'll we'll get a care in, and then it's like, okay, well, now it's time you need to go into a a home and I've done everything I possibly can. You know, maybe I'm at breaking point. It's time I I'm I have to continue with my life. Yeah. Um and
0: But she that... still visits him and sends him postcards and brings coffee.
1: Yeah. And yeah. Um so I just I just like that the film to me didn't seem to be saying that that was a good or a bad decision. No. It was just that that's what happened. Yeah. Um yeah, so it was a nice non-judgmental...
0: Yeah, I I, to- I totally agree. Yeah, there's... Uh, apart from Anthony's reaction, it's all very... This is just what's happening. And
1: yeah. And that was good. I imagine Anne feels terrible and...
0: Well, it took her that long Anthony to get would to be upset point. about it. Yeah. I also like that there's no resolution. Hmm. Like, there's, there's not really... I mean, it seems in the end of the movie she's gone to Paris, but like... It's not like he dies or...
1: I think if he were to die, we would have needed to have seen him before dementia for that to really like hit home.
0: Because mm-hmm. um, you don't
1: really have a sense of what Anne would have lost if he were to die.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Also like he's gonna die.
0: But I'm glad we didn't see it. Mm. There's a, a quote from Florian in The Hollywood Reporter. I can't which wait was to hear this. I a... really like Florian. <laughs> So in The Hollywood Reporter, they say, The journey's inevitable destination in The Father is one of acceptance, where it becomes clear that the film's pieces, be they location, dialogue, or characters, simply cannot be reassembled in any coherent order, even by the most experienced cryptic crossword fanatic. (laughs) He's Zella. Florian. The moment comes when you understand that you're not capable of doing it. And when you do let it go, I think that something happens and you understand the story on a more emotional level. It's as if you have accepted that your brain cannot do the job and you just have your heart. He's such a sweet man. Um, I think that's the thing. Like we can't cure it. There is the problem. It's one of those things I doubt we'll have a cure for because it's, you know, Even if we find something to manage, like one of the particular types of dementia, your mind will atrophy as you get older. It's just not designed... Your brain's not going to live forever. It just can't. Can it?
1: You sound like those people in like the 1800s who were like, the human body isn't designed to go more than 30 kilometers an hour.
0: <laughs> okay, well, anyway, in this day and age, we can't cure it. We just have to accept that it's a thing and... We have to start highlighting it more so we can actually manage it rather than pretend it doesn't exist.
1: Yeah. And and I think like the massively helpful thing about this film is, is just putting a very realistic story out there for people Mm. to see and for, you know, you feel some solidarity if you're going through it yourself. Like Florian said earlier, you know, if you're a carer of somebody with dementia and you see this film, it's like, I'm not. not alone. Like, Mm. other people are going through this. And, yeah, that's, like, so helpful.
0: Yeah. BBC.com said that it's good showing what it is rather than presenting it as something beyond our understanding. Mm. Um, And there were, like, hopefully people who actually work in this, who make decisions around this kind of thing, see it and feel a bit more empathetic towards the way most governments manage disability as a whole is pretty poor so at least this is one of those really well made movies that might actually maybe shift the way people think about dementia as a whole and it you know it did so well in the oscars it's it's a, it's a worldwide success so there is hope that maybe some positive good can come out of this movie like if there is i think there's a likelihood that could happen so bloody bloody helpful <laughs> Is there anything
1: harmful about it? I did read a quote on The Conversation. They did an article about two um, experts in that field to, saw this movie and Supernova, which is coming out soon or is it Oh, yes, yeah. About with another another man with early-onset dementia.
0: With uh, Stanley Tucci, who I love, yeah. and Colin Firth. Firth, who is so He's okay. overrated. He's
1: okay. Um, anyway... And they said that um, they were they were they were pretty into both of them. Um, but the last thing they said was just like, "It's not all." Uh, I'm paraphrasing shockingly, but it's like, <laughs> like yes, dementia is a terminal illness, but it's not always like so nihilistic and sad and mm. doom and gloom. Like let's not forget, like compassion and giving people you know joyful times and stuff. It would have been nice to see a little bit of horseplay. A little bit of horsing around. A little bit of fun. I think
0: there's some nice moments between Anne and Anthony, but they're very fleeting. Mm. And they're broken up often by his personality change or being in a new scene. But yeah, I agree. Like, it made me terrified of Mm. getting old. Uh,
1: Of getting old or getting dementia?
0: Both. (laughs) Being a burden. You know, like, you, you do get the sense in the movie that he is trying so hard not to be a burden, almost, because he's trying to re- refuse the help that she's giving, putting it back on her, like, oh, I'm just doing this for her because she's a worrier, um, when you can see how much he impacts her life. And it's it's almost... could be viewed as, you know, people with dementia are burdens on their family members. Yeah. So... That's not maybe the best message. Um,
1: but neither would it be helpful if it was like, Anthony has dementia and everything's A-okay. okay
0: <laughs> But, you know, like... It's a balance. My parents saw this before we did, and Dad told me very... His Dad's a man of not many words, but he said very clearly... It was very scary. I, I, I this could, it could be me, and I don't. I'm not looking forward to that. I don't. I don't want that to happen. It scared me. Yeah. So, um, I get that. Yeah. It's it's definitely a more terrifying image. Like I I think I I said after I saw it, uh, it's devastating. And it is a devastating disease, but it's I guess it's very one note in that way.
1: That was kind of my criticism. Yeah, that it was for the the first. Uh, the first three quarters of the film, you are kind of just seeing the same thing kind of play out again and again a little
0: bit. There's a little there's bit of humor touch. in it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's literally like there's some scenes that are pretty much repeated. Yeah, <laughs>
1: sorry, I didn't mean like that. I just meant the same like when I watch. Yeah. Someone who's who's gonna walk in. I I was worried that I was gonna get bored at maybe the midway point, and then I didn't.
0: Mm. Mm. I think, though, a lot of that is so much, like, how you can kind of see how it began as a play. Yeah. Like, the dialogue coming back to it. Like, the first scene, I was like, oh, you can definitely tell that this was a play. Yeah. Um, it's talky. It's very talky. And, and it's one set. I guess if I had one last criticism, it's a very white movie. Mm. Very, very white. Mm. Go through our final scores. So firstly, lived experience. It gets a whole point, I think.
1: Um, I mean, nobody involved in the film had dementia. But I think that Florian, my best mate, has <laughs> had some good insights.
0: Yes. I think it was written from his direct experience of being the sort of carer. Yeah. So to be able to write a film, I think it would be very difficult to do if you had dementia. So, as close to lived experience as you could possibly get, realistically, I think it gets full marks. Okay. I agree. Accuracy.
1: 10 out of 10.
0: You're pretty happy with it? Oh, absolutely. As the the only thing I hesitate
1: with it? is with his, um, the, his staff, the carer, and then the nurse. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But no, we but in terms agree of symptoms, to disagree with some of those things. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of his symptoms. um...
0: Bang on. Oh, yeah, very good. Very good. Stereotypes. I found it really hard to come up with any. Yeah. So I think it passes.
1: And uh, there's not enough, like, there's not enough movies about dementia for there to be stereotypes.
0: It's only very, like, like, oh, like, it, it doesn't use a lot of the stereotypes of, like, in the notebook where she comes out of her memory fog and she's, you know, lucid for... A short period of time and then they dance like yeah true. that doesn't happen right
1: <laughs> there's like intermittent periods of lucidity but not like a period where they finish all their unfinished business yeah and everyone cries and...
0: and actually there's a new movie that's come out there's a lot of films about dementia at the moment called um i think it's called still june it's an australian one with noni hazelhurst yeah and that's she's come out of her dementia after many many mm, years yeah. yeah i was reading about it which is an interesting concept, but not very realistic. Um, and lastly, helpful or harmful. I think it was hugely helpful. Yeah, I agree.
1: This is the best movie we've done. I've been saying for a while we need to do a, like a good movie. Yeah, we that, finally that did that one. It's all the things, and it did it.
0: I think we've solved the problem. I think podcast we can complete. end the podcast now. No, no, we won't be doing that. <laughs> we've got more for you. Well, thanks for... Coming along this journey, Michael.
1: Thanks for having me again.
0: Well, uh, I'll see you on the couch, Michael, because that's where we'll be staying (laughs) for the next five days.
1: Yeah, yeah. See you then. Lockdown 4.0. Can't wait.
0: Uh, Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We need more reviewers. Yeah,
1: tell us what you really think.
0: Tell your friends about our podcast. Add us on the Insta, on the Facebook, on the on the on the Twitters. And Maz said she's gonna make us a TikTok.
1: Alright, Maz. So
0: we'll see what that looks like.
1: <laughs> Can't wait.
0: See ya. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye.